Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We're going to be joined by Chairwoman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Christy Craddock. We're going to be debriefing on what happened, closing of the Texas legislator, as well as how did the Texas Railroad Commission fare in this session. But before we bring on Chairwoman Craddock, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which the feature was Moda Midstream. That is an amazing company. Three executives are running that company. It's a story that you definitely don't want to meet miss. If you want to sign up for the free newsletter to get that digital issue, all you have to do is go to shellmag.com, wait for the pop-up, and go ahead and sign up for free. I'd also like to tell you about an upcoming cover party Shell Magazine is producing, and it is with Moda, the recent cover. It is set for July 20th. If you'd like more information, please email Aslan, that's A-S-L-A-N at shellmag.com, or you can go to our social media page and send Aslan the message. Also is the Crude Association 7th Annual Golf Tournament set for August 27th at the JW Marriott here in beautiful San Antonio, Texas. Of course, Shell Magazine will be on the ground out there as a whole sponsor watching and covering the hole in one. For more information, go to shellmag.com and click on the banner ad, which will take you straight to their website. And now it's time for me to welcome on my co-host, the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. And super hot. Um, Let's jump into Texas politics, if you will. Uh, In Dallas, uh, the Dallas Morning News op-ed this week had Lieutenant uh, Governor Dan Patrick and, of course, Governor Abbott uh, to include fixes to the Texas grid uh, in his call for a special session. So what issues is uh, Lieutenant Governor Patrick hoping to address? Yeah, uh, it, it, this was a very interesting thing to me. You know, Governor Abbott is, uh, has been recently uh, talking as if he wasn't going to include anything about the grid in a special session. They he even said uh, at one point that the grid is the best it's ever been. Hmm? Uh, which what? I, I, I think, yeah, <laughs> just in early June. And I mean, I think demonstrably it, it was the worst it's ever been in February and nothing's really changed. So I, I was really... Uh, actually kind of happy to see uh, Lieutenant Governor Patrick's op-ed. And uh, what he, I think, correctly points out is that the legislature did some things in the regular session. Right. Uh, you know, the winterization requirements that they're, they're having the PUC right regulations around, reorganization of the PUC itself, and reorganization of ERCOT as well. So those are all good things and positive things. But what the legislature didn't address that, that the Lieutenant Governor is very concerned about is the, the obvious and growing shortage of reliable, baseload, dispatchable capacity mm-hmm. on the grid. That you talk about a lot on the show. Yeah, and we've talked about it repeatedly on the show. Well, we've written about it at Shell Magazine repeatedly. Uh, we don't have enough dispatchable, particular reserve backup power. And there were proposals uh, during the sessions to for the state to mandate that. And in fact, the original Senate version of Senate Bill 3 contain language around that that would have mandated the building of new additional uh, backup reserve capacity on the grid powered by natural gas so that you can rely on not wind power which you can't predict right 
And, and that's exactly what uh, the lieutenant governor talked about. And he's, he's pressuring the governor to include that in a call in, uh, for a special session. And I hope he's successful because the grid hasn't been fixed, folks. And we need to fix the grid. And, right. and so, I, you know, I think congratulations to the lieutenant governor for, for stepping up and calling for that. Right. What you had been saying, how important it is, and with all the influx of people coming from all over, it's vital now. Let's switch gears real quick and talk about uh, oil and natural gas prices, uh, our favorite topic. Yeah. Um, yes. What are the factors that are increasing, again, um, with crude prices? Yeah, and, and natural gas. And natural too, gas prices, know. that's right. Uh, natural gas, my goodness, was $3.80 on, on Tuesday. Everybody's um, like, woohoo. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that's like $2 more than where it was in January. Right. So uh, it's a big increase for natural gas. And, you know, that's being driven a lot by what's going on in California right now with the power shortages out there. They have an incredible demand for natural gas right now with the heat wave that's happening out there. It's been driven a lot by uh, demand for U.S. LNG exports around the world, which has become an incredibly successful business. And then third, it's just driven by the fact that we had a decrease in production just as we had an in, a decrease in oil production in the U.S. during the pandemic, and that production hasn't all come back yet. So a lot of factors there, and with oil prices, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's just recovering demand globally. Uh, you and I have talked about this since last October, that demand was going to recover very quickly for crude oil, despite all the propaganda in the news media saying that it wasn't. Right. And that's exactly what's happened. It's recovered very rapidly. Uh, by the fourth quarter, we're going to be back to where demand was in 1999 when it set all kinds of records and it's only going to rise from there and uh and we're not producing as much in the united states and um and so that means prices are, are going to be stronger and they're going to continue to rise and unfortunately for consumers and and people with gas-powered cars that means higher prices at the pump right uh going forward as well so um that's just something we continue to talk about and i i all of this was very foreseeable, Kim. You and I, like I said, you've we've been saying been this for quite some time, David. You October, have October, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so, well, every you know, there's an outcome for everything, and obviously, COVID uh, and the storm uh, caused a lot of this, and then also, um, of course, the global demand. There seems to be a lot of issues going on. You know, just quickly and off topic a little bit. I didn't realize that the demand for almost every other commodity also was having a problem too. Oh, sure. Uh, cars, yeah. and uh, they can't even build cars and afford to stop production. I was turning in my, my Cadillac lease. It's like Escalades are six months down the road. You have to order mm-hmm. it now. It's just a lot of, of uh, I guess, catch-up that we're doing as consumers. And, of course, we have to expect the same thing with oil and gas prices and, of course, catching up with what is in demand as well. Yeah, so. it's happened with all these critical minerals that, that we need for battery production, too. Right. And integrated circuit shortage. That's probably what's that's the problem true too. with the automobiles. So, that's yeah, right. And I, I just want the consumers to understand that our listeners that, you know, hey, it, it's a problem, but there's some of the reasons why. Well, David, that is all the time we have for the segment. But coming up, we will be joined by Chairwoman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Christy Craddock. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. And now in the Oil Patch Radio and Shale Magazine presents our business spotlight. So now it is my honor to bring on Robert Grimes, who is vice president and GM of Bullworks FR. Robert, it's good to talk to you. Thank you for stopping in at In the Oil Patch Radio Show. So uh, we're excited today. Uh, Bullwork begins a, uh, a new future uh, with new ownership. Um, and we are excited uh, to be able to kind of plant our flag and and uh, be excited to um, speak to our 
oil and gas friends and, and partners in the industry and uh, continue to bring innovative products and solutions uh, under a new banner. We're owned by Redwood Capital and just very excited to be able to do what the, the folks in the oil and gas and energy sector have been looking for board to do uh, for, for many years. And uh, we'll be reinvesting in our business in a different way than we, we have before. It'll be great. Right. Well, so now just in, in backing up, you guys have been around for 50 years, so you guys are not newbies in this area whatsoever. But at a high level, tell us about Bullets, what your business today. Is it primarily focusing on oil and gas in the way of protective gear? In what areas are you hoping to focus on here in the near future? Yeah, certainly. Uh, so we, we start with our purpose. Our purpose is we save lives by being the relentless protector of those who power our world. And we really mean those words. They're just not words on a page. We're the largest flame-resistant provider in the world. And yes, we do provide shirts, pants, coveralls, outerwear, um, worn to protect against electrical arc flash, to protect against um, flash fires in the oil and gas industry, the electric utility industry, and electricians. That's our primary focus, uh, primarily here in the United States. But we also have business, of course, in Canada, Mexico, South America, and the Middle East. Well, we do really appreciate companies that see the importance of the energy sector. There's obviously choices out there, but companies who really make it their business to protect the industry, oil and gas workers is, is vital in, in this area. But let's also, let me ask you a little bit about the process of uh, to innovate and respond with products and technology in the market. You said you feel like you guys have a good finger on that pulse. Tell us a little bit about the industry, why you feel that you guys really have a great understanding of what is needed out in the field in you know, such an important topic, safety. So sure. So, so Bulwark is really proud to innovate and, and drive change in this energy sector. You know, we've pioneered many new innovations in this space over the years. Uh, we have a very robust sales and business development team. They live in the field. They call on end users. They watch their activity. And we are, we are able to bring um, right products to, to these, these workers, these athletes that, that are in the field. We have a product and merchandising team. They travel often to site locations. They watch how people work. And then they design the PPE, the uniforms, that not only protect them, but also kind of work with them uh, throughout the day, uh, focused on mobility and, and comfort. You know, we're a technical leader in the space. Uh, we attend and chair technical com committees that help drive compliance. We focus on really improving safety and comfort for the workers and uh, help bring valuable change in, in the technical world. So what does the future, in your opinion, hold for FR, uh, the market? What is the industry looking for, since it's in technology that you're gonna be developing, what does the future hold? Yeah, more comfortable garment design, coupled with lighter weight, softer, breathable fabrics will, will come to the market. You know, we've we focused on different chemistries, uh, different uh, fiber blends, different uh, styling configurations that we have patented that will all help and aid in this innovation. Um, you know, additional training and education is always on the horizon. You know, these standards change and Bulwark is really there to help those navigate those complicated waters. Since you guys now are independent, please tell me what is the one thing that you think that Bulwark's FR as a company, what you guys really want everyone to know about? We are part of this energy family. You know, Bulwark succeeds when oil and gas succeeds. You know, we're challenged when this, when this industry faces challenges. You know, we understand when the oil industry kind of gets picked on, we feel picked on too. So it tries every day to make sure energy workers go home 
to their family safely. That's very important, Robert. And I'm so glad that we were able to catch up with you. And I also want to say thank you for your dedication to this to the energy industry, because it is important that they have partners, that we have partners that care about the safety and making sure that all of these individuals that work out in the field, work offshore platforms, wherever they may be, that they are protected. It's good to know that there's a company that's actually not just selling equipment or clothing that protects them, but also is also in the technical and innovation field too, to continue to bring to the energy industry what is needed, not only keep them safe, but also comfortable. Thank you, Robert Grimes, Vice President and GM of Bullworks FR. Great. Thank you for having me. To find out more about our business spotlight, Bulwark FR, go to their website, bulwarkindependence.com. That's Bulwark spelled B-U-L-W-A-R-K, independence.com. For the past 50 years, the people at Bulwark FR have served as the relentless protectors of workers in the oil and gas industry, but never as relentless as right now. That's because for the first time in decades, they're independent, free to double down on flame-resistant apparel that's designed to understand your workday and your world. See how they're finally at full power for you at BulwarkIndependence.com. That's Bulwark spelled B-U-L-W-A-R-K, Independence.com. And now it's time to bring on our guest, Chairwoman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. Christy, welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's always nice to be here. You know, the agency, the Texas Railroad Commission, is is one of the most important regulatory bodies in the state of Texas, Um, you know, we believe, uh, and, and so should every Texan, because it basically is the whole oil and gas industry of how it's regulated and taxes, and it's vital. So before we start getting into how the session ended and things like that, briefly tell us a little bit about the, the Railroad Commission, your, your overall mission, and uh, what you guys do for the citizens of Texas. Well, thanks for uh, letting me just kind of remind people we are not railroad-centric. We are oil and gas-centric at this agency, and so we do not regulate railroads anymore. I would uh, agree with you that I think we're the most important state agency in Texas. We regulate the oil and gas industry. We have roughly 250,000 active and inactive wells today in Texas. We also do pipelines and pipeline safety. We have 480,000 miles of interstate, intrastate, and gathering lines in the state of Texas, and that's enough to go to the moon and back when you're looking at miles. Uh, we also do gas utilities, which were really important. I think we'll talk about them in a little bit of, about gas utilities and how effective and efficient we we were during winter storm Uri in Texas. And so gas utilities are important for us. We have about another 500,000 miles of pipe for that go into people's homes, and businesses in this state. We also have coal mines in this state. Uh, it's about 30% of the electricity grid on any given day in Texas is, is coal based. And we have coal mines, not big West Virginia uh, mines, but strip mines in the state that that are in East Texas, as well as along our border with Mexico. We're doing some, we're beginning to see geothermal come back. It's old technology with a new spin, and we've had rules for a long time in in Texas, and we're having people talk to us about that. We also have uranium mines in Texas, so for new exploration, 
we are the the regulator for that. And the other piece that is everybody is on everybody's mind, and we seem to talk a lot about is carbon and carbon capture. We've been doing carbon capture and have had rules in place since 2002, 2003 at this agency. And during this last legislative session, I just got a, uh, the ability to go get some additional primacy from the EPA on on carbon and carbon injection wells. So we've been doing it for a long time. We're the first state to have rules in place for carbon enhanced oil recovery, meaning we're going out and using uh, carbon in oil fields and reusing it. So uh, for people who think that we're behind in Texas, I will tell you we're always ahead. That's, That's right. I level what we do. There are three of us that are all elected statewide and uh, we've got about 850 people and when we finish this next cycle, because of the winter storm, we will have hired, we hope another 130 so people. So we are gonna grow our agency to make sure we're in compliance. So we'll, I know you you got some other questions, but that's- Yeah, uh, no, that's exciting yeah, because, you know, Texans need to understand that it isn't just that you guys are regulating all this. This is where a lot of the rainy day fun comes from as well on all of the permitting and stuff that you guys are doing as well. An extremely important agency, the state of Texas. With that, though, I want to move into uh, the Texas legislative session recently closed. And the Railroad Commission's budget is always a high priority. If you guys have what you need, then it kind of works as smoothly as possible. If you don't, then we start seeing bad things happening in the state of Texas in the way of oil and gas. You ha- It's an important agency, and you need the funding. How did things work out in regards to uh, y'all's budget for this session? Well, we thought we were only going to deal with budget this session, and we thought it would be an easy session. Let me say it was one of the tougher sessions we've had. Uh, because of the storm, but also budgeting. We walked in, obviously, after COVID and what has gone on, not just in this state, but across the world. And as an agency, I think I may have said before on your show, we were off 70% in the number of drilling permits we were issuing, which made my budget off more than 30% going in to this la- this legislative cycle. So think about your own budget being off 30%. That's Mm-hmm. And we're fee-based as an agency. Well, I don't see any reason to raise fees on an industry, one that's in a down cycle, and two brings in, you know, a third of the state's economy's oil and gas. You don't want to raise fees and, and disincentive people to try to drill as well. And so we didn't want to raise fees. We managed not to do that. But we walked into the legislature saying, look, we've got some problems as a budget cycle. We've got to have some help again. And we came out of this session really in good shape. We appreciate, again, that the legislature understands how important we are as an agency. Um, we, we came out with some with the dollars, basically, that we walked in asking for, meaning we stayed flat as a budget. That's not a bad thing uh, for our overall budget. That being said, Winter Storm Uri added another big chunk of budget to us that we are will add as an addition to. But part of that budget, is well plugging. People always ask me about well plugging. That's a conversation that everybody hears about. Uh, we did get a, continue to get dollars to continue to plug wells in the state. That's been a priority since 2000 at, at this agency. And we continue to plug abandoned wells. That's important to us. That's only one piece of what we do, right? So inspections are important. Last year, we did more inspections in the state than ever before. We did over 200,000 think you'll see numbers continue to stay up. We do get 
dollars when we do inspections, but that's not why we do inspections. We make sure that people are complying and most operators really are. And our other priority, a lot of people know since I've been at this agency, even before I got here has been IT. And we are in process of doing a transition from mainframe Fortran to the 21st century. And we're excited about that. We started it this past cycle. We got dollars again to continue that process. We, uh, we understand that that's important, not just for us for efficiencies, but frankly, everybody wants the data that the Railroad Commission has. So right. transparency for us as an agency is continues to be a priority. And we want that to continue to move forward. Uh, you will see us roll out uh, what we consider to be phase one point again for this new stuff in September. Well, Christy, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to come back on to session. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Crude Association of San Antonio invites you to the 7th Annual Golf Tournament and Sporting Clays Competition to benefit the Alzheimer's Association San Antonio and South Texas Chapter and the Carl McCain Memorial Foundation. It's Thursday and Friday, August 26th and 27th at the JW Marriott San Antonio Hill Country Resort and Spa. For more information and to register for the event, go to casa.dojiggy.com but do it soon as spaces will go quick. That's C-A-S-A dot D-O-J-I-G-G-Y dot com. And we're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Chairwoman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. And Christy, before the break, we were talking about this legislative session and how it ended. Um, I'm glad to see that the Railroad Commission was funded, uh, what it needed since it's such an important topic. But David, I know that you have some questions pertaining to session. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about the power grid, uh, Commissioner. We, uh, you know, it, it, it plays such a huge role with the natural gas industry in the state. And uh, that was another big issue, as you talked about uh, in this session, uh, which turned into a crazy session. Uh, Senate Bill 3 was passed, and it contemplates the PUC writing regulations around weatherization of power plants and certain oil and gas infrastructure in the state as well. And I'm, I'm wondering, uh, does, will the Railroad Commission also play a role in constructing those regulations around weatherization? We are part of the conversation and we think we're an important part of the conversation. Look, when you're talking about the gas, gas infrastructure in the state, that's what we raise, right? And so we we are part of that conversation, a big piece. And one of the, uh, one of the ideas that we promulgated out of this agency, which the legislature uh, put into this bill, and it's in a couple of different bills actually, has to do with mapping and mapping infrastructure. Right. Everybody knows we know where the wells are and we know where the pipes are in the state. In fact, you can get on, on our GIS mapping system at the Railroad Commission and look at that information. And, and we think that's important to understand where, what we have first and foremost before we know what need, what is considered by definition in, in the legislative session, critical infrastructure and what you need to weatherize, right? So you can weatherize an entire state, but does that make sense? Or does it make sense to know where the gas is coming from first and foremost, know where those pipelines are, know what's sitting out in the fields, where the gas goes to 
for those gas power plants and and so that is going to it's an ongoing conversation the PUC and the railroad commission were actually in Austin in the same building which is going to be helpful as we run up and down the stairs <laughs> conversations we've started those conversations between not just staff but the chairman of the PUC and I met last week and and so you will see at the commission us uh, improve our mapping system that's part of what we asked for in SB3 is some additional dollars so we can now figure out if we need to and ask where compressors are in the field or gas processing right. plant and other inf critical inf critical infrastructure that will be uh, de be defined as we move forward through this process so that'll be a big part of what we are uh, part what we're having conversations with and then look once we've defined those figured out what they are and then go through and figure out what weatherization means so we're going to ask industry what that means uh, industry always seems to have uh, better technology and know better about about things than, than an agency does and we want to make sure we get a lot of good feedback from industry as we move forward too then part of what I said early on we we're going to have 130 new people at this agency in the next year a couple of years our goal is once we've put weatherization rules in place know where that critical infrastructure is that then we will do inspections and have regular inspections and ask industry on a regular basis to update their infrastructure so we know what that is their infrastructure mapping information with us so we know where that is so you will see a lot more inspectors on the ground for us specific to to the gas infrastructure in this good. that's good that's so great hey one one quick question you talk about being in the same building with the puc and i know the open meetings act makes it hard for you three commissioners on the railroad commission to have conversations between yourselves does it also create impediments to you know you mentioned you you met with the chairman of the puc does it also apply to conversations like that does it create difficulties for y'all to actually just have conversations with one another between yeah, bet between two agencies, really our staff always works between two agencies. And as members, as as uh, member commissioners know, it doesn't it doesn't change. We Good. can on one all the time. And 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 the PUC under the, this legislation is going to grow to five members. So right. they have a bigger commission uh, or commission group of commissioners, and they're trying, I think, first and foremost, to figure out infrastructure wise that they have enough room in the building. So. Right. We have more of ours we aren't getting rid of any of our people but um but it does allow us to have some good conversations back and forth and and i think that's going to be that's one of the priorities i think for all of us coming out of this storm is to make sure we are communicating better between agencies yeah. involved right. Right. and so we were doing that it's made sure we're making sure we're doing that even better this cycle well that's good to know because we did see definite problems and now we've kind of learned some lessons learned and moving them forward. Chairwoman Craddock, when we come back from break, I want to stay on the topic of the, the power grid here in Texas and the Texas legislature. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com.
And we're back. You're listening to in the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Chairwoman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. Uh, Chairwoman Craddock, we also, at the last time you were on the show, we talked about the stabilization of the Texas power grid as a big issue for oil and gas, and probably for anybody in Texas. As uh, you review the things that the legislator accomplished in this session, do you think that enough was done? And is there still outstanding issues that you'd like to see, including a call for special session? I mean, I know we're going to have the special session for the redistricting, but Governor Abbott, can he also look at some of the things that didn't get pushed through, some of the the things that really were problematic when we had that big storm? Well, while I don't have a crystal ball to know what the governor is going to do or not going to do and put in, I do think that we've made the, the legislation that they enacted and that he signed from session, the regular session is a good first step to move us forward in the state. Look, I think it's important to have a good rail, a good railroad commission that knows about natural gas, a good PUC that is looking in ERCOT that are better able to understand how we've grown as a state and have a good electricity grid. It's, it's not important just for you and I and our households, but we've got a thousand plus people moving to Texas a day and we wanna make sure we've got electricity. But it's not just those people that are moving, but it's businesses too. And we've got businesses that are moving to Texas. I've talked to somebody from Austin who does economic development. I don't know why everybody wants to be in Austin, but they (laughs) that we've already had 40 companies come to Austin just just this year that they've relocated from all over the country, mostly from California. And guess what? We hope they're not bringing their politics to from California to Texas. But yeah, we hope so. I mean, we hope so. But a lot of these companies, when you look at it, are high tech. They use a lot of power, a lot of energy. And so we want to make sure that we've got a good a good grid that supports everybody going forward. But I think we need power of all sorts. So, you know, we've got an, an administration that's so focused on clean power. Okay, great. Let's have clean power in the state. I'm fine with, with solar and wind, and we're one of the highest alternative quote, alternative energy states in the in the country. In fact, we've probably got more wind than anybody else if you look at Texas. But we also have nuclear. We have natural gas. We have coal. We have everything, and everything's needed in a high-growth state. And we've got a lot of natural gas. And so I think that's the real opportunity is to make sure that we've got reliable power across the board. And wind and solar were shown during winter. They don't blow and the sun doesn't shine. So I think we've got to be smart about our power sources and the reliability of them as well. Yeah, and that's that brings me to the next question. You know, we've we've had this since deregulation at the turn of the century. We've had this increasing reliance on wind power, and wind now capacity is almost thirty percent of the grid. Um, it, it often seems to me, and I'm not a big expert on it, but it often seems to me that ERCOT, their computer models consistently seem to overestimate how much they're going to get from wind power on any given day. And I think we saw that in both April and in early June. Um, it, it, is that, I mean, do you see that as, as an issue? And, and if it is, is, is there anything that we can do to correct that so that, you know, they're not anticipating 12 megawatts on Tuesday and they only get three and that, that creates a, a lack of capacity on the grid? Well, I think that's one of the, priorities as we come out of the session is reliability and what the PUC specifically is going to be looking at with ERCOT as they get a new board at ERCOT and 
the PC gets some additional commissioners. I know that's going to be a focus is, is, is the construction of the grid and how they are role playing. And, and I always call it war gaming, right? That's kind of war what right. share that you've got the, uh, the appropriate power and, and that you're looking at everything. And so I, you know, look, I, I like engineers. I deal with them every day in, in the oil and gas industry. I think you've got to have other people besides engineers in a room. And I think that's one of the things potentially that ERCOT's going to figure out is how to restructure themselves and have different people who look at the world differently. Power is important, uh, you know, but the other piece that people don't think about that went down, we talk about natural gas. I'll tell you, I think natural gas saved us, frankly. I think I've said this more than a few times when you talk about what happened during the winter storm. Yep. When we get power back in the oil fields, natural gas started flowing and we started getting gas back into our system that could flow to get our gas power plants re, uh, back online. So. A couple of things we're going to make sure we do as an agency, besides the mapping piece this year, the other piece we are going to look at that we're getting ready to start, and we'd like the feedback. We're going to have a curtail. We're going to relook at our curtailment order. You know, David's been in place since what 1972, 73. Yeah. It's grown a lot, and we now recognize that why about 4.6 million people get gas into their homes. About that same amount of people only have electricity into their homes. So we need to make sure we are, uh, that our curtailment order is up to date for the new world in Texas. Uh, we're gonna do a rulemaking and try to get that done, hopefully into this year, first and next year, and, and see where those priorities need to be, for instance. That's gonna be important for us to move forward. So as people are planning and seeing opportunities to maybe add more additional natural gas into our uh, power plants into our system, They'll know where the natural gas can come from. It's strange you mentioned that, uh, Chairwoman Craddock, because uh, towards the south side of San Antonio, there's some new subdivisions that are going up. And I was surprised to see that the number one billboard they're saying is that our homes are built with all are going to have and offer natural gas as their product. So I think they got what happened um, in the storm and uh, they want uh you know, people who are conscious of that to consider purchasing their home. When we get back from break, I want to pivot and I want to talk a little bit about the Biden administration and, of course, all of the uh, regulations that have been coming down on the oil and gas industry. We want to specifically focus in on the Clean Energy Future Act that they're proposing and get your opinion on on what that looks like and, uh, and how good or bad it's going to be for the oil and gas industry. We have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bellotto, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment, and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website 
at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim with In the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm David Blackman with my co-host Kim Bellotto and our special guest today, the chairwoman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Christy Kreidek. Uh, Commissioner, uh, let's talk about Washington, D.C. and the Biden administration. Um, you know, we've had this constant assault on the industry really since January, not coming not just from the administration, but also from the Congress now. Uh, and that's that part of it's beginning to heat up. We have... Uh, this recent story about uh, the Democrats in, in Congress have inserted language in what they're calling the Clean Energy Future Act, um, another multi-trillion dollar piece of, of legislation. Uh, and this language would reclassify return water from drilling operations in the oil field as class two hazardous waste under the RICRA law. Um, and I know you know all about this, and I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about what that that particular language would do and and the really, really rather significant impact it would have on the oil and gas business here in Texas. You know, this administration came in the first day and had already told us all that they didn't like oil and gas, and I think <laughs> going down that road, and it's unfortunate that the conversations have gotten to this level. And I say that because when you look at how important oil and gas is, not just for the state of Texas, but across the country, yeah. I, I always like to remind people they couldn't have been on their computers or couldn't uh, drive their cars without oil and natural gas. And we really, as this administration came in the door, had figured out between us, Canada and Mexico, and David, you and I've talked about this multiple times, how to really be energy independent or getting off of a lot of OPEC oil. That was a big deal for this country. And we were doing it as an industry a lot cleaner than any place else in the world and a lot smarter too. And companies still had lots of opportunities. Now you've got a Biden administration who I think some of us assumed would be somewhat like an Obama administration that they wanted to push the envelope, but we're willing to work with you and potentially and have some conversations. And, and we're not seeing those conversations occur. And that's right. why I can say we've got some real, uh, real challenges and they really are not listening to what's going on in the real world. So as you're looking at specifically the piece of legislation you're talking about, but I would say there's multiple pieces of legislation up with in front of Congress legislation going on or rulemaking going on in front of EPA. 
um, Bureau of Land Management's back involved, Department of Interior, uh, other other you know other groups are involved. Uh, every uh, every piece of administration that can be involved in the Biden world, when you're looking at the regulatory world, they are using every tool they can find to try to shut down oil and gas. So in Texas, we're always blessed to be in Texas. In Texas, we don't have any federal land, so the uh, quick moratorium that they keep saying quick and it continues on of no dr no additional drilling permits that doesn't apply in Texas. We're glad about that. It's affecting our friends in New Mexico, Oklahoma, other places. But now they're going back to water, waters of the U.S. They've got this new clean water, whatever you want to call these new, their new acronyms basically are let's make sure we over-regulate so there's no opportunity for this industry to develop. Uh, we're seeing it again with methane. We're hearing, a dip, you know, they got rid of uh, the moratorium that the Trump administration had placed on uh, methane, the new methane rules. Um, it, I, it's sitting on the president's desk, or it will be signed probably this week, next week, to get rid of those moratoriums. And now here come methane rules again. And we're hearing additional methane rules will come out of, e uh, proposed methane rules will come out of EPA this fall. So you've got between clean water, clean air, uh, and not drilling at all. I think that's the direction this administration wants to push this whole entire country. I think that's job creation first and foremost. We've got people coming out of uh, COVID without a job or they've been sitting at home and need a job or with dollars that they need to, they need to invest and look, you can shut down an oil and gas job. They keep saying they did that when they shut down Keystone XL pipeline. Are those people going to move and are those clean energy jobs sitting there? The answer is no. The technology still today for a lot of clean energy is uh, not there. And I think that this administration doesn't seem to care. And that's the unfortunate piece. So when you look at additional regulations that they're proposing, again, with clean water, which if you put uh, and, and what's interesting to me, David, about water, look, I grew up in West Texas. Water's always a priority. We live in a desert. Yeah. And you want to make sure you've got water to drink first and foremost before you <laughs> to any drilling that you're operating. And the water's not always all that great. So you're when you're drinking it, you've got it just has it's just yucky water sitting out. <laughs> that's just what's there. And so and I think a lot of the desert area, that's a priority for for us to make sure you've got clean water. If you don't, then you can't develop and can't live, right? And not about oil and gas, but just about you as a community. Yeah. So what I've watched in the last almost 10 years being at this commission is how much water and water infrastructure and recycling and other water technology has changed in advance, frankly, without any regulation from EPA, but just following the rules. There's real common sense that's been going on in this industry. And we're reusing water that we wouldn't have used years ago. And now with new technology, people want to use those wa that water on crops and continue right. to- Right, yeah, for irrigation. And frankly, you don't need rules and regulations for companies to do that. You just need the opportunity to innovate. And when you continue, to put unnecessary rules and regulations that innovation, not just in this industry, but across all industries goes away. And I think that's the difference between this administration 
and what I believe and what the state of Texas really uh, has tried to do is have good common sense rules and regulations, be consistent, move with new technology, but allow those innovations to occur. Chairwoman Craddock, there was a, a report that came out, Pew Research, on um, how many Americans truly believe and understand that oil and gas is vital. And I think that the average American now, with uh, this administration's policy and their assault on the oil and gas industry, are starting to see as well with higher prices at the pump and higher prices at grocery stores. It has an impact. And from what we're seeing with his uh, popularity rating just sinking like a rock, you would think that the administration would understand that more people really get it than, than they think get, that this is not possible to push their agenda this quickly, this fast. And a lot of Americans are, of course, out of work um, and also higher prices at the, at the gas pump and stuff. But we'll still see or, you know, time will tell if this administration starts trying to work with uh, the oil and gas industry. And that is our hope. But Chairwoman Craddock, that is all the time we have for uh, this show. We look forward to having you back uh, here, hopefully in the near future. We can come in and talk a little bit more about oil and gas and what is the Texas Railroad Commission up to. Thank you for being a guest on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.